On this episode of Bootstrappers, we're going to talk about how to market to your ideal client and really understand their buying journey. We're going to speak with Joe Frost, who is a founder and chief revenue officer of Your CMO, and he's going to tell us what kind of budget we need to keep in mind for this coming year and how to market more effectively. That's next on Bootstrappers. This is the Bootstrapper Show for property management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business. Welcome to Bootstrappers, where we talk about topics that matter in real estate and to real estate property management entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Jeremy Aspen, along with my host, spouse, Gwen Aspen. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Go to anaquim.net right now and download your free ebook on leadership development. <laughs> um, you know, it's really hard to retain top talent right now with the job market being so hot and having a program where you're developing your people internally really makes the difference. So this is a manual that requires almost no budget that you could implement today that will help you make your um, entry-level people into tomorrow's managers. So go to anaquim.net today, download the leadership development book, and um, check out some of the other cool things that we've got on the site. In this show, Jeremy and I are going to talk about our journey through marketing and how we kind of got started with no budget um, at Anaquim. And then we're also going to bring in an expert, Joe Frost, who's a founder and chief revenue officer of Your CMO, which is a fractional marketing company and helps businesses all over the United States with their services. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you, Jeremy, um, Me? about one of the things that we've been kind of exploring through marketing, because I'm going to just admit that you and I are probably not amazing naturally at marketing. I'm actually pretty amazing. Oh, at marketing? <laughs> I would say there is nobody that's actually good at it naturally. Well, I, I mean, that we're not experts at it. And we, we really figured out that as far as the digital marketing goes, we were at a loss when the pandemic hit. But um, we were good at the onset of just building relationships and um, and getting to know people and really trying to add value. And so I think what people miss is they think about social media, they think of SEO, but they forget that really what we're trying to do by marketing is build trust and relationships in the digital world. Um, but it starts with being good at, it's, at treating people well on the forefront. So the way that we start Anaquim, so Anaquim was a bootstrapped company. We didn't spend any money. Um, and we would go, we wanted to sell our remote professional services. We would go to, to conventions and I would wear the craziest dress I could find. They were very attractive. Very, very, very bright colored. And Short. I, we would go, no, they weren't, <laughs> no, they weren't. The, but they were bright colored. So they popped out in a crowd and you know, if you've been to any conventions or like, you know, a thousand people there. And I would stand up in any breakout session or any question and answer session, ask a relevant question to whatever the topic was, and somehow figure out a way to just mention that we sourced virtual assistants from Mexico in that conversation. Then later, uh, people could find the dress in a crowd, pull me aside, and then we could sell our services. So 
we didn't even pay for booths at the beginning. That That's was true, literally yeah. how we marketed by word of mouth and relationships for the first two years of our business. But in fact, our website was a, tr we didn't even have a website for the first, I want to no, say. No, we really didn't. Three years? Yeah, well, It was like an embarrassing amount of time. Yeah, but the, the, the model that we were doing allowed us to grow really quickly. Um, of course, that's not a very scalable model. I mean, I suppose you can hire somebody else to go and do the, um, the manage the conventions, but there are only so many conventions and you can only get so many leads per convention. Well, but we were able to, you know, grow at a reasonable pace mm -hmm. and make sure that the quality of the service was good. And it worked for a really long time. And I think that that's where a lot of businesses are, right? They, they have great relationships. They are good at networking. They can build, you know, trust within themselves. And then the, the stressor is, okay, so I've built this, in this capacity, in this way for a long enough time, how do I translate what worked in person to my website, to the online universe? And that's where people are really struggling. That's why we're going to bring Joe Frost in later in the show. And something I would, I would, I would be curious if we could get some feedback on this, but I suspect that we could ask a property manager, how many, no, we could ask them how much money they spend on marketing. And if their answer is that we only we rely on word of mouth, you are talking to a property management company that has no more than 600 units. It's it's probably right there in the 600 700 unit range because you know which is still amazing still through word of mouth. Yeah, and it might I'm I'm, I'm kind of hesitating whether I'm going to say 450 or 750, but whatever. There's it's going to be less than 700 for sure because there is a point where you can grow word of mouth like there's mm -hmm. this curve but you can't go any more than that because your burn rate you know your loss rate is gonna happen with sales or whatever and you're you're going to bring on kind of the same amount so you're gonna plateau and that's when if you haven't started spending money on marketing yet you better do it at that point if your objective is to grow and turn into a larger company so i think this is a great time to get joe frost in here to talk about how we translate building those relationships in person. How do you build that same trust and value on the digital world? Hi, Joe. Hi, Gwen. How are you? How's good. You really good What's to up, have Joe? you here. So um, I don't think our founding story is unique. We had the big hustle, but we had to transition it to a digital strategy that was very hard for us to do. And I think it's hard for a lot of small businesses, small, medium-sized businesses. So Wait. The first, what? Oh, let me guess. Here's here's how it works, and this is this is my secret sauce for marketing, right? Oh, digitally, I can't wait to hear. What this. you do is you get an AdWords account, <laughs> and then you guess what words should work. Spend a lot of money, maybe between five hundred and thousand dollars a month, and then bring them to your crappy website. Yeah, take them to it. Well, actually, you don't ever really get that far. It never quite gets to your website because whatever you're doing doesn't well you know, theoretically doesn't work. Um, I'm guessing you probably run into oh, that, that sounds scenario. sounds very familiar. In fact, then what happens is you forgot that you set, set it up. <laughs> so And you true. get a bill the second month and you're still not getting any leads. That so sucks. And then the third month when you forgot again, it's twice as much because you forgot to put the limits on. So you've totally... Oh, yeah, yeah, that's shit. So okay, true. so is that that's really... Is that yeah. really... Oh, that's what happened to us. And then, you, and then you kind of you let it go because it really didn't do anything. And then a year later, you hear some story about how, no, there's a better way of doing it or Google got better. I don't know. And then you go through the same, the same damn thing again. Yep. 
You yeah. don't learn the first time. You do, you do something once a year, once every couple of years. And, you know, odds are of it working, uh, don't get better. Yeah, and then you'll run into somebody who's really <laughs> slick and says, Jeremy, you did it the wrong way. You need to pay me $1,000 a month, and I'll yeah. show you how to do it also the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's the next also stage. Also the wrong way. Okay, so let's prevent the people watching or listening today from making any of those mistakes. So first <laughs> off, if you do AdWords or anyone happens to somehow land on your page, you have to tell a compelling story. And I'm not going to dig on our industry of property management, but if you've seen a few of the pages, they're pretty atrocious and not compelling in any way. So how does a small business make a compelling website? Let's just start there. How do you create a good brand? And, and you're going to have to get over this hurdle because here's something that I've actually heard more than a dozen times. They want to come across as small because they think that their clients are looking for a personal experience. Hmm. Reference our scalable uh, um, podcast um, because that doesn't make any sense at all. But I mean, that's how it works. They, they don't mind having kind of a shitty website because they think it looks quaint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. It's, it's, it's hard. I think marketing in general is hard. Yeah. And it, it used to be as easy as throw up an ad. People would see it on TV, listen to it on the radio and, and call you and, and you were doing well. But now with digital and SEO and social and all the other possible ways to market. There's too many choices. It's, and it's overwhelming. It is absolutely overwhelming. But you do have to at least have a compelling brand. Like that's, is that where you would have someone start or not? I would start with who's your audience. Okay. Because too many people start thinking about me and my brand and what I look like ah. and sound like. And it's really who's your audience. And if you're a property management company, are you going to look for um, rental? Uh, you know, people that want to rent houses, that's an audience. Or owners that have property that they want to outsource some the property management to, which is a different audience. And you have to look different to those two audiences. So your brand might be focused more on the uh, rental audience, and it'd be uh, something around you know low rents, great property, safe, whatever that messaging is going to be. But to your property management audience, to the, the homeowners, it's we take we give you time back. We take care of your problems. You have less hassle. We're and you know, we've been doing this we for pay years. for ourselves. So you just talked about two totally different audiences. Absolutely. And how does a property management like how do they know which one to have the the face of their business if you went to ABC property management? Which one do they choose? Do they choose the tenants to be like the sole the, the front page audience or the owners? Yeah, I think they have to probably have two websites. Because your tenants are going to go on a certain search for property. And they could care less what your property management company does for owners. They just want to find property. So you need a listing site that easily lets them search hundreds of properties, insert their rent, and find the location they want. That's all, that's all the tenant wants, right? The owner doesn't want to even look at anybody else's properties. They just want to know that you're actually good at what you do. You do what you say. You're priced right. That You've got references totally different websites. So they're different websites. Absolutely. I don't think anybody in our industry makes those different websites, do they? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think they're different landing pages. Yeah. And we do. It, which okay, could different be landing different page. landing pages. It, it's so that's different technically than different, different websites, yeah. though, yeah. isn't it? Like yeah. different landing page. I mean. So let's start with the audience. Okay. So the biggest mistake I see entrepreneurs make, business owners make, is they don't understand their audience very well. And the reason is, is because you're in the business every day Actually, we're all really good marketers as business owners because we do know who our customers are. But that's not the same as who our audience is. We know who our competitors are really well, and we can 
usually differentiate pretty good. Um, but our audience is the next customer we want. And so how do we know what they're doing is, is really the trigger that, that you need to look for. So when you get a chance to talk to some of your existing customers, you can find out what made them look for your product or service. So let's just talk tenants for a matter, for, for a second. What do tenants do when they're looking for a home to rent or a house to rent or apartment to rent? I would imagine we would all guess, but if you asked five of them, they would tell you exactly what they did. We went to Google, we plugged in $1,500 a month, Philadelphia search. Like that might be what they mm -hmm. do. They scrolled through a bunch of properties. They picked the one with images. They saw the one with video and they called the property management person or they probably emailed the property mm -hmm. management person and said, is this still available? Or set up an online showing, is that? Or whatever was available to them. Mm -hmm. But you ask the questions of the customers and today's customer your, your most recent customers are most representative of who your target audience is. So anybody that's rented from you in the last six months, that's who you want to talk to. Mm -hmm. They're different from people that rented from you three years ago, five mm -hmm. years ago, 10 mm -hmm. years ago when you started your property management company. They didn't have any Google searching going on. So right. you're still thinking about what customers do from that lens from 10 years ago when you were the one answering the phone and having to book everything. Today's customer is different. So understanding those tr uh, trigger points, what, when did they first start looking? Maybe they got a job offer in Philadelphia like my daughter just mm -hmm. did. She lives in Omaha, Nebraska. She had to go find a place to live. What did she do? She started Googling best places to live in Philadelphia for a new grad. So it wasn't even looking for properties mm -hmm. then. Do you, does your website have the right SEO? Do you have Google AdWords for those keywords? Because that's what your audience who's out of town looking for needs to find. Mm -hmm. They're never looking for property management companies in Philadelphia. Right. Never. Never. Right. never. Never. But people, you're right, they think that that's how people are searching when yes. they're not thinking about their ideal customer. Mm -hmm. And we get trapped in that business owners across all different sectors and industries. That's what we get trapped in is what we assume our customers did six years ago. They're doing six months. Okay. Ago. So just to recap. So if I'm a business owner, I'm going to just walk myself through the process a client uses to find my product. Yes. And there's one simple way to do it. It's called the buyer interview. There's a book by uh, Adele Ravella. It's called Buyer Personas. She wrote it, I don't know, probably a dozen years ago. It's the best book I've ever read about insights into your buyer. You do a 30-minute interview with your customer, someone who's bought from you in the last six months. 30 minutes, five customers, you'll get all the insights you need to start making better decisions about how to market and, and what your messaging should be. Because mm. the next thing is, once you understand the trigger, then you want to know what their journey was. So I got a job in Philadelphia. That was my trigger. I went to the web. Then I showed up three four weeks, five weeks before and, and did a walking tour and visited some places. And then I made a decision afterwards on site, on premise. So that journey needs marketing all along the way. Mm. So you need a certain message when they land on the website. You need a certain message when they call. You need a certain message when they get emails back and forth. You need a certain message when they're on the ground looking at physical properties. And then you need to, a message to close them. And so understanding those that journey you also know there's a dozen or a hundred other options uh, fighting against you your, mm -hmm. comp your competitions out there as well so how's the competition dealing with that so that insights you can ask the questions during that buyer interview what what was your decision criteria ultimately why did you choose us over our competition and in property management i'm guessing they're choosing tenants they're probably choosing the property 
over anything. Yes. They're not, they're not even thinking about who's managing the property. It's you're probably completely irrelevant. I yeah, think you're irrelevant to a point. I think they care about the property first, the price point, and then they look at your reviews just to make sure it's not going to be yeah, that's probably a, true. like a horrible experience. But they're really just avoiding a horrible experience as opposed to looking for the best experience. Yeah, and a little bit of a, a something dangerous. A lot of tenants like that are trying to learn how to game that are trying to game the system. They will look for the po-dunky kind of property management company because they know they can pull the wool over their eyes. I mean, there are people that live for years for free because they can pick up on what a property man that a property manager is not sophisticated enough to um, catch them in their game. Yeah. That's pretty common. Yeah, is it really? Oh yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, that journey and the, and having those interviews with your customers mm -hmm. on the tenant side, that's probably less important for property management companies than the other journey, which is how do we get owners? How do we yes. get owners to sign up with Especially us? Especially right now where buildings are selling at high prices and everybody's selling because it's insane market. People are really struggling, not just to keep door count, but to keep from losing door count. And so this is a moment where people aren't, are saying looking at their budgets and a lot of people feel the pressure to eliminate their marketing budget but I'm sure you would say that that's a bad idea always a bad idea yeah so <laughs> and, and, and that's budget. the that's a good question um, so right now let's just say I'm spending no money I'm a property management company I'm spending no money on marketing how can I make things better for free <laughs> you can have customer <laughs> interviews and try okay. to understand the insights into your who who has recently signed up for your service as an owner in the last six to twelve months. Just having a conversation, five of those ideally, you will be able to understand what started that process. When did that owner first start looking for a new property management company? Did they just buy the property for the first time? Were they dissatisfied? Did they have a bad renter experience? What was the trigger? Because as a business owner, if you understand those triggers, that tells you a lot about where you need to be thinking about marketing starting. Um, if it's clear to you where the trigger is, then the next question is, okay, then what did you do go look for a replacement or your first property management company? Oh, I went to my realtor or I went to the, the local property management group that I saw online or I went to Facebook and I joined a group of property management owners or owners of properties and I realized that everyone else was having great service from their property management company. So then I started Googling property management companies. Okay, ultimately, what was your decision criteria? Well, I was looking for somebody that had been in business for 10 years or more, or I was looking for somebody that had a really nice looking website that clearly showed all their listings, so I knew that my, mark, my property would get marketed well, or I don't know what the answers are, but they will tell you the answers. And just understanding that, then you can go back without a whole lot of money. You can tweak your own website or update it or change it. You can have a different conversation with prospects because you know what the decision criteria mm -hmm. is. And you can think about where the best place to spend money is because based on that journey, you might realize, I gosh, shoot, I can show up to these association events for free or I can go on the Facebook event page and I can plug in my own comments and, and talk about what we do and answer questions for free or I can spend money on AdWords campaigns. So everybody, uh, you know, we go to conferences and whatnot, and something that people always want to know is how much money should I spend on marketing? So um, I, th I think this is a rhetorical question. Money? Yeah, but what is the perfect ratio? Um, so for every dollar I spend, I should earn X in revenue. So we look at that uh, in a slightly different way. We, we ask the question, what's the lifetime value of your client? So if you're looking at an owner 
a property owner and you're looking at all the fees you're going to uh, gain from that owner over the course of a year, what's the normal lifespan of that owner? Is it three years, five years, 10 years? What's your uh, retention rate? If you can figure out what the lifetime value of that owner is, and let's say you make you know, 10% on 1500 bucks, or you're making $1,500 a year on that owner in fees, just throwing a number out there, but it's costing you five to 500 to $1,000 because you've got staff and you're serving, you're really netting maybe $500 on that owner a year, but you keep them for five years. So the lifetime value of that might be $2,500. Then once you know the lifetime value, what's the ROI you need on an investment in your business? Do you need a 10 to one return? Do you need a 20 to one return? If it's 10 to one, then you should spend $250 to acquire that owner. So that's um, in for any property management companies, NARPM has their chart of accounts and they also have um, numbers that they, you can, they can tell you about how much, what, I, I bring this up because they have, the, they have the unit lifetime revenue. And so that's the same, same kind of thing. model that yeah. you're doing. And you try to have, I think it's uh, $1,800 of profit uh, for the lifetime, but whatever it is, okay. it's in there. And so that's your answer. Go to NARPM, go download the, uh, and the pamphlets. If you make $1,800 net profit on a unit, you should probably budget a couple hundred dollars, maybe 250 to acquire a new unit. Mm-hmm. Yep. That sounds right. So then it's just making sure that you're using that money as best as you can. So you can get to 250 bucks a unit. Yep. So and that's where you come in. <clears throat> So let's say I understand more about the buying journey. I've tweaked my website. Maybe I create content on best places to live because there are a lot of people from outside the area that are coming in and I want to super serve that tenant audience and I'm doing okay. I want to get to that next level of sophistication. And I'm realizing all of my clients are on the internet. They're in social media. Let's say Facebook. Uh, what do I do next with social media? Social media is just so stressful and overwhelming to your average property manager. Like how do we advertise on there effectively? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think on the tenant side, it's, it's a must. You want to be there. You want to be on Facebook. You need to have events and reviews and you need everything possible on the tenant side. But on the owner side, I would look at social media as where do the owners hang out on social media? And that's where I want to be. So if, if there's group pages uh, about property management, investing in new properties, finding new properties, that's where you need to be as a, a property management company on those pages, participating in those conversations. If it's LinkedIn and there's groups about how to buy a property or investment groups on LinkedIn, that's where you need to be. It's less about what to post and what to share. And it's more about how do you get involved in the conversation that's already going on with your owners in those different areas that they're interested in. Now you can do paid social media, so you can also target specific people that are perusing Facebook or perusing LinkedIn, and you know their profiles, and you can interrupt them with an ad to say, hey, come talk to me about property management. But it's much, much more effective if you can tap into a conversation that's already going on. And that's where we recommend spending time. Because that feels authentic, yeah. and it feels like adding value, and it feels like a relationship, right? And people can see past other kinds of marketing. So that's why that's the most effective. Yeah, because you're, you're helping them. In those situations, you're able to add to the conversation. If you have a, a even if it's a tenant page where you got a bunch of tenants that are out there saying, uh, how much should I be paying for my uh, 
you know, my maintenance. I, I thought it was free, but now I'm getting a bill because I, it's not included, or I have to buy my own light bulbs. You know, as a property management company, you can go out there and say, you know, for our tenants, we try to make it clear, but it's not always clear. You, know, you do have to pay for your own light bulbs when you changed out, but you shouldn't have to pay for things like this. Well, owners will see that page too, and they'll mm-hmm. see your property management company responding that tenant question, even if it's not your tenant. You're adding value, you're helping people, and that is what, if that's who you are as a company, that authentically will show up. And that's really how we translate, you know, small businesses do so well in person and with relationship building, but it's hard to transfer that to the digital world. So this gives us kind of concrete examples of how somebody would make that transition. You just talk to them like you would if you saw them at the coffee shop. Absolutely. Yep. And then that's going to be less expensive, more authentic, and probably, I mean, your time is expensive if you're doing that, but you could train a BD, uh, business development manager to invest in that kind of time. You could find an outsourced offshore person that can learn how to do that for you. It's, which be, would be well worth the dollar you spend that way than in a AdWords campaign that was Hmm. not, not fruitful. Yep. Absolutely. Hmm. Wow. And you're right. I mean, I was talking to our podcast producer, Matt, and we were talking about the same thing about getting the podcast out on different uh, pages. And when we're talking about it, it has to be relevant. It can't feel like an ad. It can't feel like you're using, um, you know, an awareness day to bring it up. I mean, there, there are good ways to add to the conversation and then there are bad ways and the bad ways really detract from your audience if it, if it feels like you're using somebody or if it feels like gross somehow yeah. then that that kind of approach doesn't work so it really has to it does have to be more sophisticated and feel like an authentic adding value conversation yep if i was a property management company looking to position myself on social media to an owner being the audience. The, what I think owners are looking for is somebody that's gonna rent my property to good tenants and, and not turn over a lot and, and not give me any headaches along the way. So I would want my property management company to tell that story all the time. We have a great listing program. Our property is, is are turned around in you know less than 30 days. Our tenants stay an average of 18 months, 24 months, you know, whatever proof points that you can bring in that justify that. And I would want my social media to say that as much as possible. And you're going to find out exactly what your clientele wants through those buyer interviews. Yes, exactly. Be able to tell that story more effectively. And if you're not really able to deliver on those things, you can also kind of change course and make sure that your company focuses on those areas that are most important to your owners so that they don't leave you for another property management company. Yeah. So, well, that's, that's very helpful. So if I am investing, let's say I have this offshore person who's going into these groups, adding authentic value, and I am getting some clients in, how do I really measure that? With Are there any key performance indicators? Because um, it could be something else that I'm doing. Like maybe I'm doing two different kinds of campaigns. I'm doing a newsletter that's going out to you know, people in the industry locally, and I have this person um, who's helping me, how do you kind of tease out which marketing's working and which isn't? Yeah, that's a great question. And marketing's hard that way. Unless you have AdWords, which it's pretty easy to, to monitor, or some sort of paid advertising digitally, you can usually track, track back. 
you don't really know where that lead's coming from because they may have seen one of your representatives at a local uh, coffee shop and mentioned you. They might have asked a friend or neighbor who who they used when they sold their property or managed their property, or they might have seen somebody on Facebook making a post on your behalf. It's just really hard to do, but you got to try. So what we do is we set up scorecards for all of our clients and business owners are used to having scorecards and KPIs for most of the things in their business, but marketing, sometimes they don't know what to measure. So sitting down and looking at all the campaigns that you are running or all the activities that you are doing, finding a few metrics for each. So if you're going to run a newsletter once a month to owners or to a prospect list, you want to look at things like number sent, open rates, reply rates, and you want to look at those continuously over every month you do it. If you're going to ask one of your VA or remote professionals to post and share on Facebook, you would probably measure how many times they did that in a week. Did you Mm -hmm. post once, five times, 12 times, 15 times, zero times? And over the course of weeks and months, you can start seeing trends and you can then maybe back into some of those activities that are really working and some of those that aren't. The only other thing you can do is you can A-B test. You can be very specific about, I'm going to do two different approaches this month. Mm. Um, I'm going to do email marketing this month or this week for two weeks. And then at the end of the month, I'm going to do social media instead. And you can look at traffic to the website. You can look at inquiries. You can try to see if there's the one thing that you changed made a difference and you can back into maybe what's working or what's not working. That so way. for email marketing, because that's a common one that property management companies are using, uh, what kind of content, I guess that would go back to your buyer persona of what they want, or you don't always want it to feel like a sale because that's not going to be very effective. If every time you email people, it feels like a sale, they don't like it. Just like in person, they don't like feeling like you're going to sell them every th- something every time you talk to them. In person, it works the same when you're in email. So how do you create a compelling newsletter that people actually open and and read? That's a, that's a great question. So newsletters that get opened and read are very rare. The first thing you need to have is a good list. Now, if you've attracted your own list and this is people that have subscribed to you and expect to hear from you on a, on a regular basis, that's good. But if you're trying to go out to a cold list, people that have never heard from you, um, that's really hard to do. And with all the spamming that's going on and yeah. all the filters that are going on, you might be lucky to get an 8% open rate. Mm. So 92% of that list will never hear you. If it's your own list, you might be get, you might get lucky to get a 20 to 25% open rate. So email's awful, but <laughs> it does work because it's really inexpensive and it still will return something. But 75% of those people in your own database won't hear from you via email ever. So what else are you doing? You have to be thinking about how many of the other three quarters of the people. So email alone. Um, the subject line is what's going to be the biggest thing about getting it opened. And then red, you know, it's probably more about the personality. Like, I never read emails. I don't care what's in it. Yeah, I'm never reading it. That's me. Really? Yes. I I read emails. I like... I never open those. I don't care if it's from a best friend. If there's a newsletter, I you don't. never do. And I sign like up for outlier. all of them. Like I'll subscribe to your. I'll subscribe to the bootstrappers. I'll never read whatever you send me. But it, I want to be. I want to. I want to see that you're consistently sending me something because that alone just reminds you, you of, of the mind. business. Yes. And you're like, oh my gosh, I do want to not invest in the stock market. I want to invest in another building, and yeah. I'm going to remember that this property management company. Yeah. 
does a good job. Well, everyone, I think, even me, I have best intentions of opening stuff up and staying engaged with whoever the supplier or vendor is. So when I delete it or I move it, it's, it's, I kind of, I know that I meant to do it this time and next time I will open it. Yeah. That's always going on in my head. Like, oh, if I had more time, I'd do it this time. But still, I do know who sent it. Yep. And I kind of have a rough idea of what they're going to talk about. And I, w- I will read the subject line. And every now and then a subject line will get me and I'll open it and I'll, cr- I'll, I'll quickly peruse it. And if there's maybe a video link or something that I can quickly consume, then that's what you, that's what. So this me. one actually happened to me today for, it sounds a little gauche, I suppose, but um, there was a free training for pilots and that was in the subject line. I never once have opened one from Cirrus. I opened it and I got the free lesson. There you go. Yeah, and I mean, almost never. I should I should amend my last comment to mean almost never because once in a while, it's worth it. So in that scenario, you can take a news, newsletter in one month. We just did this last month for our own newsletter. And maybe we send it out to 1,000 people. Five of them, 500 of them had one subject line, free pilot lesson. The other 500 had a different one, um, pilot lessons uh, on the cheap, as an example. You can actually see, but those A-B tests, exact same email, which one has a higher open rate. And if you realize, oh, the word free is the trigger, then your next month everything's free, right? So right. You, whatever it is. <laughs> but you, that's how you learn. You can take those monthly newsletters you're already doing, change up one thing, and see if it does makes a difference. difference. Yeah, makes a difference. Oh, that's so interesting. So any other closing thoughts that small or medium-sized businesses should do one thing different or course correct or some problem that you see constantly that just drives you crazy? Yeah, there's so many things. I think the the key comes down to understanding your audience better. When it comes to positioning yourself uh, differently than the competition, I would say pick two attributes that matter most to your, your customer and try to figure out what two that you can own the edge of. So it's Seth Godin had this in his book, um, This Is Marketing. So think about property management. It might be, um, I want to I want to get paid on time and I don't want to have uh, vacancies. Maybe that's the two things. So can you be the, the company that has the least amount of vacancies and the fastest payment to your, your property owner? Like, is that something that you can own in their mind and are different than the competition? And, and keep playing with those attributes until there's one thing that stands out to you. So for us at YourCMO, we know that we have the most proven process and we have the tr- most trusted experts. And it's the combination of proven process and trusted expertise that we can own. All of our competitors have no process, except a few of them. And and most of our competitors are trusted experts, but it's the combination mm-hmm. of the two that we can own in the mind of our customers. So figuring out those two, two axes that you can own, those attributes, and then that becomes the messaging that you put in the newsletter. That becomes the messaging that you're delivering on your social media. That becomes what the message is, because you know it matters, and you know it differentiates yourself as well. Cool. And you get those attributes from those interviews. Ah, oh, that is so helpful. I'm really excited to uh, read that book. Um, by Adele Rivera? Adele Ravella. Ravella. Yes. So, well, Joe, thank you so much for being on the Bootstrapper Show. Yeah, thank good you. Seeing it's you been here. so much fun. And we learned a lot. And I think uh, our listeners are going to go out and really think about, take the time to sit back and think about what they're ideal client wants and maybe it will change the game for their business in 2022 that would be the hope just go talk to them Mm -hmm. don't be afraid they're your customers yeah Mm -hmm. they like you already hopefully (laughs) 
And you'll find out if they don't, and yeah, that's and good to know also. Yes, it <laughs> is. Also good to know. Thanks again, Joe. Thanks for yeah, coming thanks in, Thanks, Gwen. Thanks, Jeremy. Bootstrappers is powered by Anaquim. Go to anaquim.net right now and download your free ebook on leadership development. <laughs> um, you know, it's really hard to retain top talent right now with the job market being so hot. And having a program where you're developing your people internally really makes the difference. So this is a manual that requires almost no budget that you could implement today that will help you make your um, entry-level people into tomorrow's managers. So go to anaquim.net today, download the leadership development book, and um, check out some of the other cool things that we've got on the site. This is the Bootstrapper Show for Property Management, powered by Anaquim, a podcast where we have real conversations with industry experts that you can apply to your life and business.